We're in the middle of a series called Matters of the Heart. This is our foundation scripture from uh, Proverbs. It says, above all, guard the affections. I like the, the passion. Guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Can I stop right there? That the, the, the affections of your heart really establish you. Really, the, the tone and the tenets of your heart is established by what you guard. And um, I like the way it says that the, for all that affects you, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from that innermost being, the welfare of your innermost being flows the wellsprings of life. And this is our starting scripture for tonight. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone who commend themselves. You ever know people like that, that they commend themselves, they tell how good they are, for they measure themselves by themselves, and they compare themselves with themselves, and they are not wise. We are all guilty of it, that we take out our, our tape, and we start measuring who we are, how we match up to, and our, if you're, we're honest, we're guilty, we're often measuring other people too. And how they, they match up. And it gets really touch and go when you're measuring other people. And then you take, you take what their measurement is and then you measure yourself by it. And a lot of our happiness and joy and contentment comes from how we measure others. How we measure the circumstances. How we measure the situation. And then we compare and how we match up. God, God never designed us to be that way. You know, if, you're, if we're honest, if we're honest, there's a lot of times that, I know y'all think I'm a broken record about social media, but it just is, does amplify stuff that just becomes that you start seeing what, where other people are and what they have and what they do. And you realize, well, I don't have that. I'm not that. I don't, have, or don't come from those places. And I don't think that's the way God's heart works. Your first feeling is that there's nothing that beats a person down more than trying to measure up. We have little fill-ins. If you need a sheet, we'll get that to you. If you'll raise your hand, we'll get that to you right away. But have you ever just felt like you were just beat down? Does anybody need a fill-in? We got one up here. Anyone else? Kate, you need a fill-in? No, you need... <laughs> Or are you just waving? You're just picking your nose. You can, don't pick Bradley's nose. Just pick your own nose. All right. No, put it back. <laughs> now the Lord has left this. Okay, so. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. So there's nothing that will beat a person down more than trying to measure up to a standard. Can, can I say it this way, that a standard that we set for ourselves that is not a standard that we can attain. And then it becomes a trap because you set a standard for yourself and you may get to that standard and it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't fulfill, it doesn't, it doesn't cause the ache to go away. So you set another standard that's hard to maintain and attain and just we weren't designed to be that way. That people are burnt out because they're trying to measure up. And you can also say it this way, they're worn out. Just worn out. Worn out with life. Worn out with daily living. You know, you, you ask them, is there anything, there's nothing like dramatically wrong or 
catastrophically uh, impaired, but worn out. Worn out by, by uh, the demands of life, the situation of life, the pressures of life, the things that we go through, and, and they're trying to measure up. Uh, you know, Brian doesn't do, Pastor Brian doesn't do, do it to me too often, but the principal does. Don't be watching, Mr. Leake. But there's a lot of times that he'll text me. And every time he texts me, it's like, oh gosh, it's something else for me to do. So I, I just text him back, and I just text back, unsubscribe. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> I wish it did. <laughs> the ones, here's the thing, that the ones that you love the most end up suffering when we try to measure up. You never go to the person that you're trying to be and let it out on them. You don't want them to see you in that light. You never go to the, you never go to the, <laughs> you never go to the social media post and after they've posted the 1500th picture of them and their, and their boyfriend or girlfriend and they don't, you know, they don't have any ounces of fat on them and they eat kale and all that. You, ne you never go to their post and say, who cares? <laughs> but you end up taking it out on the people that mean the most, the ones that stick the closest the ones that are there through thick and thin, when we're trying to measure up, they end up being the victim. They end up being, getting the brunt of it. They end up getting the worst of us. Can I say this? Because we know they'll be there after we go through our rant. We find, that should be F-I-N-D, we find that relationships with our parents, children, friendships, romantic relationships, and even God become at risk with an endless cycle of performance. That we're, and nobody, nobody really sits down and says, I'm motivated or driven or compelled by making good grades or becoming physically fit or getting into the college that I want to get into or being at the status of life that I need or having the income. Nobody sit, really sits down and and marks those things out. But if we're honest, there's a lot of our daily life that's occupied by the thoughts of those things. And then they compel us into this race of performance, this cycle of performance that re really is unsustainable. And then the byproduct of it is that is you're worn out, you're burnt out. And then the next step is that you take it out on people that mean the most that were driven by unresolved issues of the past, and I'm going to talk about this more next week, that have deceived us into thinking that if we do better, it will be better. Have you ever just thought that? I know that I have, and I've thought that within the last week. <laughs> if this situation would just improve, I'd feel a whole lot better. It's a trap. Because just as easily as something can turn, it can turn the other direction just as quickly as it did. And we get to a place where we lie to ourselves, lie to our hearts from the wellsprings of life and say, if it just would get better, I would be happier. I would be more fulfilled. I'd be at a better place. And can I, can I just be personal? Can I, I'd be at a better place with me. Because if we're really honest, we're all trying to get to a better place within ourselves, with us, 
the ones we face every day. And here's where it comes from. Every single person in this room can think of something that was said to you that was hurtful and damaging. Whether it was in within the last days or months or years, even it could be something from way back when you were a kid or young. And every single one of us, if we were called to produce that, could say, I remember when this was said to me, and that has stuck with me to this day. And I, and, and I don't think we know the power of things that are said to us, that those things end up taking a root in, in the fields of our heart, and, and then those things, well, let, let's go here. The, in Psalms 119, I'll prove it here. It said, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Listen to this next one. It's familiar. I seek you with, the, with all my heart. You do not stray from your commands, for I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, so here's the thought, here's the thought that there are words of all kinds that are hidden in our hearts right now. Right now, if we're honest, and if we're honest before the Lord, and I'm going to lead us somewhere before the night's over. I know I ran out of time last week, and I promise not to this week. That all of us are, have had words that have taken root in our lives and are hidden there. That's why the psalmist said, in, in a counteraction to that, in living life through that, I've hidden your word, God. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And, and I don't think he was necessarily saying that I would do evil or something, something sinful, even though that's part of it, but something that would misplace my trust in who you are. That's ultimately what sin is, jumping ahead of myself. It's our misplaced trust in who he is. That those words are producing in our lives right now, whether we realize it or not. That there are words inside of Jonathan's heart that have been said to me, maybe stuff even from when I was young, but those words, let me, let me say it this way. Were any, you don't have to raise your hand, but were any of you timid as a child? I was timid as a child. And so when you were timid, when you're timid as a child, you tend to be the last person picked when they're choosing game for the games. And I don't remember a specific time of being picked last, but I do remember that sensation of being timid, not, uh, my siblings would call me scrawny. I beat that. <laughs> Last thing I'd be called is scrawny right now. <laughs> Maybe a little chunky, but not scrawny. But if you think about those words, those attitudes, though, and even, even, you may not even remember the, wor the exact words people said, but you'll always remember the tone in which they were said. And the hurt and the pain and the, and the degradation that came from those words. And those words will try to hide themselves in your heart. Matters of the heart. And these, and these words will try to produce a harvest of stuff that's against God's thoughts toward us. Let's keep going. So John, John 8. 
uh, to the Jews, you have believed in him, Jesus said. Jesus talking right here. To the Jews, you have believed in him. If you hold to my teachings, Jesus talking, that you are really my disciples, then you will know truth and then truth will set you free. Now, that wasn't just a little scripture that Jesus thought this will be cool to have on a plaque in Mardell <laughs> or Lifeway bookstore, even though that's good to have there. That wasn't what Jesus' thoughts were. His, the, the concept was that, that you're going you're gonna to be faced with stuff that's not truth. You're going to have things in your life that's not truthful. You're going to have ideas in your heart that aren't truth about you. But he said that if you'll hold tight to what I say, if you'll hide those words in your heart, then those words will cause you to know truth. And then the truth about what God says about me is truth then that makes me free. And every person in this room desires freedom. Every person in this room is, is, is longing and, and driven toward a place where our hearts are free. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I think we're a bunch of people in bondage. I don't believe that at all. But I'm saying that when it comes to matters of the heart, that we do face a reality of words and things that have been said to us that try to, try to uh, take, take hold. Like this, lies that try to infiltrate your heart. Lies. Now, here's the funny thing about lies is that if somebody came up to you, if I came up to Nathaniel and said, what's going on, Jim Bob? He might think that was cute, funny, weird. But he would know that it, his, he wouldn't just walk out the door just with his head down. I thought I was Nathaniel this whole time and I'm Jim Bob. Because, because he knows that that's not who he is. The truth is that his name is Nathaniel, but how often the enemy will use a lie that we embrace as the truth. So here are the lies that we think that as you are, you are not enough. It's profound. Because nobody, <laughs> nobody readily in here walks up to somebody else and says, let me just let you know, I am proud of who I am. Now, some people act that way, but they don't really feel that way. <laughs> no, but some, maybe, I don't know. No, nobody does that. Nobody walks up and says, let me just let you know how impressed I am with me. Nobody does that. Why? Because we're unimpressed with who we are. We very rarely think, as I am, I am enough. Because if I, if I hold to the truth of as I am, then a little coordinating conjunction comes after it called, but I deal with anger. As I am, I am enough, but... I deal with insecurity. You see where I'm going? That as I am, I am enough, but I have a poor self-image. We always extend, but what happens when we get to a place in the heart of God and in the matters of the heart where we just full stop say, as I am, 
I am enough. Do you know what happens right there? You don't have to do another thing. You don't have to do another thing. Here's another, our second point. But if you achieve and perform, here's the next lie. If you achieve and perform, then the deepest core longings will be met. That if I get to a place where my dreams are coming true, where the things I'm working for are coming to pass, the things that I'm hoping for and praying for, they're happening. Then if I get that to that place, then the deepest core longings of my heart are met. And my question, as I asked last week, my question is this, what happens if they don't happen? What happens if you don't get into that school? What happens if you don't get into that relationship? What happens if you don't achieve that status in life? What are we to say to those people? I'm all for vision boards, dreaming, hoping, wishing, but what happens if it doesn't happen? Nobody answers that one. <laughs> we'll have seminars and sell books and do rallies on people achieving their dreams, but nobody addresses what happens if the dreams you have, they don't happen. What happens then? Nobody wants to say that, but here's what does happen. God's plan and, and love for you does not change. Because just as you are is enough for him. You mean God doesn't want me to do great things? I think, I think living a life for him is the greatest thing that could ever happen to us. And anything that he does in addition to that is what Pastor Nichols used to call extra. <laughs> it's just extra. When we get to a place where all that I am is all that I have and that is enough for who he is. That if you want, here's the thing, if you want love. Can I, can I say this? That people will do some crazy stuff to be loved. <laughs> people will put up with some stupid stuff to be loved. <laughs> I should put that in quotes, loved. People will throw away valuable stuff in life to be loved. Here's the next thing. If, uh, if you want significance, there's nobody that says, yeah, I'm just good with being mediocre. <laughs> I'm good with just being a Bump on the wall. No, everybody wants significance. Everyone wants to be known. Everyone wants to be valued. Wants to be, have treasure by people. Everybody wants significance. But the trap is that if I gain significance, then the deepest longings of my heart become fulfilled. Here's the next one. Everyone wants purpose. Everyone wants purpose. And, and I, I, I agree. I love the story about... Uh, it's not a story, it's a real story. A real story about a, a worship leader called Phil Wickham. Phil Wickham written many songs, many of the ones that we sing in, in church and so forth. But Phil Wickham had this thing where he started getting nodules on his vocal cords. 
And the only thing that could happen for him was to go into complete silence for, I'm, if I'm remembering right, about a duration of six months. Now think about a worship leader who can't sing. Not much of a worship leader. And when he tells the story about having to go into just silence where he couldn't even talk, much less sing and lead worship, what ended up happening, he said, I remember the, I remember the moment. He said, I'm singing at a conference. I'm leading worship. And he said, I felt the vocal cord pop. It just, within it, it popped. And he said, you find, you find out really quick your significance to God when you can't do what you think he's most pleased with. And we think it's caught up in our purpose. What would happen if God said, I got one purpose for you. I've got one thing for you to do. Are you ready for this? Everybody's got their notebook. Everybody's got their, their phone out. They're going to type this down. I have one purpose for you. And that one purpose is that you let me love you. And what else, God? No, that's it. That's it. And, and, and let's go change the world, God. No, no, no. That's it. And then we're going to build big churches and have lots of people baptized and born again and filled with the Spirit. No, 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 no. That's, that's it. It's unthinkable. What would happen? All we wanted was acceptance. People will do some crazy stuff for acceptance. Crazy. They'll change who they are. They'll try to become something else just to fit in. They'll, they'll, ch they'll change what they believe for someone just to say that they're okay. Your successful performance, the lie is that your successful performance will bring this. That if you are, if you are good at what you do, if you're good at what you do, then you'll have all the love you need. If you're good at what you do, you'll have all the purpose you need. If you are good at what you do, you'll have all the acceptance that you need. If you're good at what you do, you'll have all the fulfillment. It's all a lie. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us with stuff like that, but what happens if it doesn't come, come to pass? Psalms 30, 30, uh, 114, it says, but I trust in you, Lord, and I say, you are my God. Listen, look at this next one. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemy, from those who pursue me. That one of our greatest tasks is to trust God in every situation. And let me tell you, one of my biggest challenges is to trust him in every situation. That the enemy will always attack your trust in God first. If you remember what he said to Adam and Eve, he said, did he really say? His first, his first appearance, his first entrance onto the planet was questioning God's motive. This is interesting. Anger and aggression and performance become, becomes our go-to when our trust is misplaced. Have you ever thought that? Why am I so angry? Why am I so ticked off about this? Why am I so 
bent out of shape about this. Why do I just want to thump somebody right smack in the head? And, and what, what, what causes our anger and our aggression and our need for performance? It's misplaced trust. It's an attempt to outdistance ourselves from the person on the inside. You know why people are angry? They don't like who they are. You know why people are, are aggressive? They don't like who they are. You know why people are high performers and overachievers and will, will step on whoever they need to to get to the next level because they don't like who they are. That person, and I'm going to deal with this more next week, is carrying the wounds of yesterday. I'll get to more of that next week. That person is carrying, I'm going to get to this next week as well, the unresolved loss of yesterday. Let me give you a, a 10 second preview of next, of, of next week. You want to know what our biggest deal with this life? We haven't grieved losses. It's our biggest hang up. We haven't fully grieved losses. That our response is to try harder and to do more. That if I can just try harder, if I can do more, then I'll be all right. Monkey man, if you'll come on down. Healing and wholeness is never tied. Listen to this. Healing and wholeness is never tied to what I can do. God never, God never said, I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you healed. I'm going to, I'm going to put a right spirit within you when you fulfill the, this checklist. His healing, his wholeness is only contingent on one thing, my trust. That's it. Can I, can I close with this? Let me, let me show you something really quick. In Psalms 113, and, and we're going to do more of this chapter next week. But I just want to read something to you really quickly, very slowly. Not slow, slow, but listen to this. Even if we just get to this verse in closing. You formed my innermost being. Wow. Do you know when all the anxiety comes? All the pressure. All the anger. The aggression. If, if, I just go, if I just go to simple truths, you formed my innermost being. Try, try that in the morning when you get up and look in the mirror. <laughs> Now, y'all have this problem. I don't, but your hair's all sticking up everywhere. And <laughs> me, my hair never gets out of place. It's perfect every morning. You form my innermost being. You look, in that, you look in that mirror and you see, you, see, you see yourself and you say, God, you formed my innermost being. Listen, listen to this, listen to this. You shaped my delicate inside. There's a lot of things about my insides that could describe it. Delicate would not be one of them. <laughs> Rough, 
broken, jagged, calloused, hurt. That sometimes describes our inside. But God, and God says, you formed my delicate insides. And my intricate outside. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us aren't pleased with our body image? What does God say? I, I formed your intricate outside. And we're, we're going to stop right there for, for tonight. I'll read the rest of it next week. But if you just get to those three thoughts, that's it. Three. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen words. Thirteen words encapsulate the heart of God. And I haven't even read the rest of the scripture or the ones after it. So as we close tonight, let, let's, let's do that. Just close your eyes for just a moment. I'm, just, I'm not going to drag this out. But I want you to focus on you. Just for a moment, you focus on you. And, and with this thought that God, you formed my innermost being. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's your design. Your personal design. God, you formed my innermost being. You shaped my delicate inside. That inside of me right now is delicate. It's a masterpiece. It's craftsmanship. It's perfection. This is helping somebody. It's perfection. It's a master plan. It, it's, it's the hope of a heart of amazing God. That you shape, you are shaping, you shape, you sh are shaping my delicate inside. And my intricate outside. Shaping my intricate outside. Amen. Amen. Do you see what happens there just in that? just little practice right there. What happens is that the truth shifts into the place of the lie. That's what the Word of God does. That the truth finds the lie and replaces the spot. Isn't that cool? But we have to, you have to take that time. You have to let that do its work. Can, can I say this? We have to give it the same attention we give all the crap. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> I give the crap a lot of attention. <laughs> but I have to give it that same attention. And when I do, the truth forces out the lie. And then he does what, he's, what he said in John. The truth makes you free. Because it replaces the lie. Drives it out. Amen. Isn't that cool? Next week I'm going to talk about, and I'm not going to go, it's not going to be too feely-feely, but I'm going to talk about mourning loss. And it's not what you think, but mourning loss. So.